Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 36 of the Flying Free Podcast. Rachel, you're back with me this time. Hi. Hello. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It has. We've had, we've had a lot of guest interviews, and so but it's good to be back here with you. And I thought it would be fun, to, well, not fun, but I thought it would be a good topic to talk about, um, we're calling this episode, He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not, because one of the most common issues that women in emotionally abusive relationships have is trying to figure out, is this really abuse? Is this abusive? And is it really that bad? Because sometimes my husband is really wonderful and there's a lot of really wonderful qualities about him, which is the reason why I married him. And then at other times, it seems like it might be abusive, but don't all marriages have problems? I mean, you know, I mean, and I, I'm not perfect either. Sometimes I have problems. So what is it that makes, you know, how do you differentiate between a normal marriage with your garden variety arguments and that kind of thing versus a marriage that actually it, you could define it as being emotionally abusive. So that's what we're going to talk about today. What do you think? I think there's a lot to get to here. I, I've got my flower ready. I'm going to pick off the petals. He loves me. He loves me not. <laughs> That's what that makes me think. <laughs> no, I already know the answer to that one. So yes. Okay. So, well, and that is, you know, that is kind of how you feel. I think in an, in a, I think in a normal relationship, even though there's problems, there's still never that feeling of doubt. Like, no. Does he really love me? You still know, you know, we had an argument, but I know that he really loves me. Yeah. It's but, built on that foundation, a really solid foundation of love. Yes. So I think even that just to even know that if you are experiencing that feeling of on a regular basis of, I'm not really sure if this guy really sees me or knows me or even really loves me on a deep level, um, then that's a red flag. It's something that's certainly well, it's a good thing that you're here listening to this podcast because we're going to talk about that. So what I'd like to do first, Rachel, is define what the problem is um, why, and why, it, why is this important that we should even be talking about this? Right. So I think you can boil it down to the fact that people who are, you know, have narcissistic tendencies who have levels of toxic pride that they can't, they don't want to overcome, they act in inconsistent ways. And their ways, um, you know, what they do may be even inconsistent with, they, with what they say. So in my previous marriage, my husband was really good about saying, I love you. We always said, we, um, I love you when we got off the phone or even when we like left the room. I'd always say, I love you. And he'd always say, I love you. But he didn't act like that. He never put that into practice. If you think of love as like a self-sacrifice, self-sacrificial, um, you know, getting into the other person's world and loving them for who they are. That was never the experience there. Instead, I was always afraid that if I did something, he would stop loving me. Like if I gained too much weight mm. or I, if I didn't do something that he had told me specifically to do, 
that it was all off the table. So there was the very much this level of insecure attachment um, that was going on, but it wasn't like that all the time. And sometimes he would do loving things like, I don't know, bring me home a new water bottle or um, bring flowers home or something to that effect. And I would think, Oh, he really does love me. And I shouldn't think so poorly of him, you know, and be so, Mm. (laughs) you know, wish that he would be different sometimes like, Oh, he really does. Right. So it reminds me of, I've mentioned this before. I'm not sure if I mentioned on the podcast, but I've definitely talked about this before, but there's a show on HBO called Big Little Lies. And there's actually a book also written by Leanne Moriarty and by the same name, but the show, there's two seasons of it. And if, if you guys are, who are listening, if you can get a chance to watch that series, it's a perfect example of the cognitive dissonance that happens in a, an abuse target's life where, so the only thing is, and and actually I like it that, that it's this extreme, um, here, Nicole Kidman is the victim and she actually, you know, she really thinks that her marriage is okay. I mean, she knows there's problems, but so on the one hand, her, they have great sex, like amazing sex. He's really a wonderful dad um, it shows him a lot with his kids playing with them, like really getting into their world and really caring about them. And he's also really wonderful to her. But the dark side is that he actually beats her, like beats her and until, you know, so she's got bruises and cuts and that kind of thing. And so that's an extreme case. So, but most of our listeners aren't living in that kind of extreme swings. However, the same dynamic is happening. So, and it's the same cognitive dissonance. It's on the one hand, they've got all of these great qualities and um, there are some really good things about the relationship that keep you on your toes, that keep you like wondering, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm making a big deal out of nothing when he's not being kind. Um, And, but then on the other hand, they may be doing these more subtle kinds of uh, abuse tactics. So let's actually talk about uh, some of the more subtle kinds of abuse because that's what I think most of our listeners are dealing with. They're not yeah. necessarily being beaten. And, and a lot of, you know, in our culture, well, you know, even in our culture though, we would, if you had a friend who was being beaten, you'd be like, man, you got to get out of that marriage. You know, you got to get out. You're going to be killed someday. But the person inside of the marriage really doesn't necessarily feel that she's in danger because she sees this guy in, you know, when he's being good and stuff. And so, um, but when you got covert abuse going on, you're not even getting outside feedback from, you know, people on the outside, all they see is the amazing stuff that this guy's doing. And they're not seeing you show up with bruises. They're not, they, and so, they don't understand if you don't understand and they don't understand how in the world are you going to see what's actually going on in the relationship and that it's even abusive. So let's talk about, that was a very long introduction to talking about some of the covert tactics that are used in an emotionally abusive relationship. So maybe you could talk about some of the things that you experienced or that you've heard other people experience. So the biggest thing for me that I never was able to put my finger on was that my husband never took responsibility for himself. If there was a problem between the two of us, he would, um, 
you know, there would be in our, an argument or whatever. And then he would stonewall me. He would ignore me until I came to him and told him that I was sorry for whatever I had done, raised my voice, been rude, whatever. Um, but then he would talk to me about how I needed not to do better and how I just needed to do what he said and, um, never talk about his role. And he didn't even believe he had a role. It was all right. my fault. Right. So I think that's the biggest one, um, that we can identify is just this subtle blame shifting. And sometimes I think it's even more, more, more subtle than that. Cause my husband never apologized ever. He would never say those words. Um, he thought that that was really stupid to apologize. He didn't have any use for apologies, but other people I think do, they have husbands who apologize, but they don't really mean it because mm -hmm. they'll start in with excuses afterwards or the apology is just empty and it doesn't result in any change. Um, because yeah, apologies that don't result in repentance and, um, you know, a, a new leaf of, of trying to, um, not act that way anymore really is pretty meaningless. Um, the, the words are supposed to represent something, an action, something changed. And without that change, it really is meaningless. Right. So looking for that changed behavior, I think, is really big when assessing whether or not someone is really sorry. But yeah, so just using the words to manipulate people can be really tricky um, because you don't know if they really mean it. But you have to see if their, their actions line up with their words. Right. There, so I did <clears throat> what, what you're talking about. I actually just did two videos this week. And um, if you're listening, you can find them on my YouTube channel, um, which I, I don't even know what the URL is for that. Look up Natalie Hoffman on YouTube. I, I think you should find a link. There's Maybe you can put a link in the show notes. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, but one of the videos talks about, it gives 30 emotionally abusive tactics, covert emotional abuse tactics. So you could, you know, find more details in that video. And then the other video talks about crappy apologies. So the ways, all the different ways that these guys can, or that, you know, that anyone can apologize, but not really mean it. So, um, I know like one, so one, I, one thing that happened a lot with me and my relationship is I would see a problem maybe with the kids or with myself, see something, a behavior that he was doing that was really causing a problem. It was causing a lot of pain or hurt. And I would tentatively bring it up because I was nervous because I, I knew what was going to come next. It, it, was, it, it was the same thing time after time. It, was, it never, ever changed. But I'd bring it up to see if I could have a meeting of the minds, you know, to see if I right. could get him to understand what he had done that was so painful mm -hmm. because I wanted him to have good relationships with his kids. I wanted to have a good, I wanted him to have a good relationship with me. I wanted us to be close, but there was this behavior that was causing this pain. And so how can you get close to someone who's hurting you? Right. So I would bring it up and want to talk about it and he would turn it back on me. Mm -hmm. It would somehow be what he did would somehow be my fault mm -hmm. or, or, or he would make comments like, well, you're, you think that you're better than I am, you know, just because I brought up a, so, so all of a sudden it was about me and how I thought I was better than him rather than being about what he did and how much pain that had caused for people in our family. 
So that was, that's just, that is an actual, so if anyone's listening and you are thinking, boy, that happens to me, you need to know that's not a normal behavior. That's actually a covert abusive behavior. Mm-hmm. And it can be normal if, I mean, we all have a, we all will react to feedback in, you know, in a defensive way at first, right? I mean, yeah. if you don't respond in a defensive way, deep down inside, your bristles are going to go up if someone brings up something that they want you to work on, correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just sure. nature. But so it's, it's, so it's nature to, and you could even, you know, your spouse could even be like, well, no, I don't think it was that. I don't think it really made that big of a difference or I don't think it really hurt the kid that much or I don't know why you're feeling, I didn't really mean it that way and don't you understand what I was really trying to communicate there? And okay, they could do that, that's fine. But then if they don't circle back and make it right with you or acknowledge that your perspective was different from theirs, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you, and, or if they shut you down and say, you know what, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm not talking about this anymore. Okay. That's, that's actually abusive. Mm-hmm. You, you can't do that. If someone, if you're in an intimate relationship with somebody, it's normal to, it, it's okay to say, you know what, I need to think about this. I don't, um, I don't, I didn't realize that I caused that kind of pain, but I, I need to think about it because I'm trying to figure this out and I'm not, you know, I don't know what to think. That's okay. Yeah. But then circle back and say, hey, you know what? I've been trying to think about this, like how you might've taken it from your perspective and I can see how it came across that way. And I'm really sorry. I don't want to hurt you. I'm really sorry about that. Yeah. But be careful because even some people, I think, and I see this in the, in the private flying free support community group posts, like a lot of times abusers will, um, use the language of like, Oh, you know, like I was saying earlier, Oh, I'm sorry. Or, Oh, I, I do see that I need to work on this, but then it's always, it is always paired up with something that you need to do better or some reason that you did something bad. And so that is, I think a really big red flag is if they, you know, they're acting humble, but then they go back and say, but it was actually you. (laughs) And it's so confusing because you take the humility and you're glad for it and you want to jump on it and be like, okay, everything's going to be great. You know, he's taking responsibility for himself, but then it turns back around and, and, you know, there's that blame shift to you. And it's just, it, I think that's the really telltale sign and yep. that's what you have to go with, unfortunately, even though you don't want it to be that way. Yep. Another one is just really, it's whenever you show up as yourself with a different opinion than what he holds. So yes. if you say no to him for, for whatever reason, that's going to be a problem. Yep. Or if he wants something to go a certain way and you disagree and you'd like to discuss it, that's going to be a problem too. You're going to be shamed or criticized for having a different perspective than he does. So in other words, basically you're safe if you enfold yourself into his mind and into his perspective. But if you show up with your own mind and your own perspective, you'll, you'll be criticized. You're that's not, that's like a no, no, big no, no. Yeah. You're not allowed to be your own separate person from him. You have to be right in line with who he is and what he values and what he thinks. And if you don't, 
I mean, this was huge for me in my marriage. My husband had very strong opinions about the world and everything else in it. And um, for the most part, I was pretty aligned with him. But if there was something that I thought was stupid, I had to keep to myself because I could not, I could not speak up ever and say, here's why I think that's wrong because he would berate me down or have some clever argument about why I was wrong and also dumb. Yep. Yep. Another one that comes to mind that I dealt with is, um, if I, for, there's going to be times in a relationship where you fall apart. Maybe you, you, your friend died. Maybe yeah. you just had a new baby. Maybe your child is really sick and in the hospital. Maybe you're really stressed out because of work or because of a, something really emotionally um, or traumatic in, in a relationship with someone at church or, you know, just for whatever reason, things happen, right? Mm-hmm. And they won't enter into that experience with you. Instead, mm-hmm. they will, they expect you to be on your A game, basically, 100% yeah. of the time. Yep. And if you are not, then you have failed as a person, as a human being. Right. There's no room for you to be a genuine human with skin and made of, you know, made of flesh as the Bible calls it, you know, like there's no, there's no room for that kind of weakness. And actually with my husband, he despised any form of weakness, what he viewed as forms of weakness. So he could not handle it. And it's funny, Natalie, you talk about like stressful life situations. So I didn't even have someone die, but the catalyst for what set, you know, me thinking like, oh, there's something wrong here was when I lost my job through no fault of my own. And here, it's just so funny, the irony of it. I'd always thought of my husband as this really strong leader. Like he was, you know, he just had these really strong opinions and he knew right from wrong and all these things. He could not get out of bed. And he was blaming me because of all the circumstances. And if I had done this differently and I've done that differently and you better hurry up and get a new job. He was not a leader. He was the opposite of a leader. He mm. couldn't handle it. That is absolutely crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And I was so deluded though, because, and it was my way of, of excusing him, you know, by saying like his strong opinions mean he's just a strong leader. No, right. he's just his own prideful God. Like he, he's his own God in his own mind. He's stuck up in toxic pride. He can't handle this because it's an injury to that pride. Yes. Very interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about what it looks like. Now I'm remarried and you are, do you want to say it in public or do we wait? I am engaged. Yay! Yay! Rachel got engaged since our last episode together, I believe. Yes. Yes. I am so grateful to be in a relationship with someone who is the opposite of what these we're talking about here. He takes responsibility for himself. He apologizes. He has good character. He is actually a strong leader because under pressure, he doesn't crumble. So Hmm. I am so grateful and so excited to do life with him. That is awesome. I'm so, so happy for you. Thank you. So, so tell me what is your relation? How is your relationship different? What is he like when you have a, um, when you have, well, (laughs) Your whole meeting and getting to know him was around you basically going through a really hard time in life. So, yeah, we had worked together, um, but while I was still married in a really stressful um, situation where there was long hours and everything, and I have never seen him get 
angry or raise his voice or use guilt or shame um, to get people to do what he wants. Um, he's just who he is. Um, he's sort of reserved, but he knows exactly what he thinks and he's got very strong principles that he stands by, but he doesn't, um, he doesn't push them on other people. He just accepts people for where they are. And, um, that's such a gift because I have been, um, quite a mess at times over the course of our relationship and he just is there with me in it. And I think that's a huge difference. I never had that kind of support before in my, in my other, in my first marriage. Um, there was, it was just always like, Oh, Rachel has some problem. Well, you better deal with it and hurry up and get back to having sex with me or, you know, making dinner or taking care of our kid or whatever it was. It was always like, I had expectations for what I was supposed to do and I wasn't allowed to step outside them or, or, and, and what it really comes down to is feeling safe to be a person and to be weak and to be, and to need support. And, um, that it it comes from a very vulnerable place of like, I actually don't have it all together and I actually don't have it all figured out. And, um, again, as I just said, like, so that sort of weakness, my ex-husband despised and could not tolerate. Um, but my, in my new relationship, he sees it and he understands it and he knows it and he accepts it. And he's there with me um, to get through it. And I have the ability to do the same for him um, when he's stressed out or, or whatever else. He lets me in to be there to support him. And that's what relationships are supposed to be. Yes. <laughs> and, and what I, you know, you can't even really call what I had before a relationship. It was, it was like a, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but like sort of like a parasite, like someone taking resources from another person Yep. And it's not even symbiotic where it goes back and forth. It's just sucking all those resources and giving nothing back. Yep. Um, and that's quite a, it's quite a stark way to frame that, but that's how I lived for 14 years. Yeah. Well, and it comes back to the whole idea of you being a per, a separate person. Mm-hmm. So your, um, your fiance views you and values you as a separate human being from him. Yeah. So he, so he's not trying to get you to mesh with him and become him and think the way he thinks and look the way he looks and be, and, you know, enter into his world and be his, you know, he's not like the sun that you're supposed to revolve around. You are each two separate people and you're both looking at one another as two separate valuable human beings. Yeah. And giving each other permission to be separate, valuable human beings. Whereas before, I mean, I I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, like I was just my husband's showpiece, something that he got to show off and say he had a hot wife or whatever, which was so, it was so crazy because it was mixed messages because then he would talk about, you know, my, how chubby I was or something like that. But, um, I was supposed to dress in a way that made him happy And, um, that was the opposite of the way I liked to dress and how I felt comfortable, but uh, you know, and I was so mixed up. I I did that because I wanted him to be happy with me. And I thought that that was what what Christian women were supposed to do is just make their husbands happy. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't a separate person. I was just something like a, a decoration or a toy, something to play with, something to keep yourself amused until you didn't want 
didn't need it or want it anymore. Right. Um, and then he was off to do other things. So, um, it's just very much dehumanizing. Yes. That way. Is this content resonating with you? I've written a book for women of faith and destructive relationships called, Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, A Christian Woman's Guide to Hidden Emotional and Spiritual Abuse. You can actually read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called flyingfreenow.com. I'll even give you the first three chapters of my book free if you want to hop on my mailing list at the top of my website. Those three chapters are going to help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. Now, let's get back to our episode. One of the things that I've been <clears throat> fascinated by in that I've learned in the last few years is because I'm, I'm remarried. I've been remarried now for almost two years. And my current husband and I, we come out of two completely different denominational backgrounds, church denomination backgrounds. We, we are on different sides of the political, uh, I don't want to get into politics, but we are on the same side as far as a lot of our beliefs about things, but as far as the, our party alignment in general, <laughs> how to carry those beliefs out. Yes. Exactly. Comes down to, um, yeah. We are on different, you know, we're on different, uh, polar opposites in that way, but here's the thing. So in my prior marriage, um, we, we, you know, we went to the same church. We, uh, we have the same political beliefs. We have the same eschatology. We say, you know, Mm -hmm. but here's the thing. You can have all the same beliefs and you can still be in an abusive relationship and have it be abusive. And you can also have completely different beliefs or completely different perspectives on things and have a really healthy relationship. Yeah. The key is just this mutual love and respect for the other person as an individual. You can yeah. actually, that's the way friendships should be. And mm-hmm. I really think that, um, I see this a lot in religious circles and I was part of this and I was, I, I participated in it where you feel like you can only be friends with people or you can only love people or only respect people who are exactly like you, mm-hmm. who look like mm-hmm. you, think like you, talk like you, read the same books that you read, have the same beliefs that you believe, have the same eschatology, have the same, you know, all the way down the line, listen to the same pastors, you know, and that's not true. Well, that's one of my like huge epiphanies in the last few years is that's just completely not true. In fact, that really limits your ability to grow as a human being if all you're doing is surrounding yourself with people who think exactly the way you think. Yeah. And you know what though? It's amazing though, when you have this shift in perspective and you start reading the Bible again, the gospels again, you see that Jesus did this. Like he came to where people were and he, he was helping them where they were. Like the woman with the issue of blood, he reached out and touched her even though she was ritually unclean you know, and completely cast out from a society, you know, that he went to her 
and was there with her where she was and healed her where she was. And I think that's so what we're called to do. And we just miss the, the broader Christian culture just misses this so much, like being with people where they are and showing them the love of Christ where they are, instead of saying, buck up, you know, get yourself cleaned up. And then like, so the message is sort of like, God loves you, but he'll love you more when you do this or something like that. Yeah. That's, that's what's received a lot of times mm-hmm. instead of God's love is going to, you know, start working with you where you are and healing you. And it's going to be a long journey, but he's going to be with you. And he loves you, uh, you know, beyond your understanding. And I think that it's just such a, a myth. And we have got to learn how to love again in Christian culture. And I think it's starting, but there's a long ways to go. Yes. I think you're right. I think it's starting. I think we're, I think there's a a huge movement of people getting away from, uh, that kind of thinking. I I would call it fundamentalism, but you know, the us versus them mentality. And really what it comes down to is I have the right view of God and everyone else has the wrong view of God. And so if people want to be close to me, um, they need to get with my picture of God, right? right? Instead of, and, and it's just totally, it's just out of alignment. Like, right. get some humility here. See yourself <laughs> as you are. You, you don't have it all figured out, I promise you. Exactly. <laughs> so the last, one of the last things that I wanted to, little kind of tidbits, and I, I talk about this quite a bit. So, but, if, but for those of you who haven't heard it, I, I talk about how the good things that people do are like, well, they're, okay, pretend that you're a fish, okay? Mm-hmm. And you need nourishment, and you need sustenance. And so one of the ways that you get that is by eating worms. <laughs> Delicious. I don't know. So <laughs> worms or other fish, I don't know. But anyway, so you need that, but you also, but what you don't need is you don't need a hook on the end of it. Mm-hmm. And the problem with a, abusive relationships is they dangle something that looks nourishing and that looks like it's going to be beneficial to you in front of you. Mm-hmm. And, but the, but the problem is that if you take a bite out of that, you're going to, it's going to be, there's going to be a hook in it. Mm-hmm. So when you start to realize and that, and this doesn't have to just necessarily be your marriage relationship. It can be friendships. It can be family, your family members. Um, if you have adult children, it can even be adult children that you have. It can be any relationship in your life. When you start realizing that every time they offer you something good, it comes with a price tag on it. Either they expect something from you or they, um, you know, some kind of manipulation, manipulation ploy, then, you know, that is not a healthy relationship. And you want to be in relationships where there's two little fish swimming next to each other, enjoying worms and other little fish (laughs) freely without any hooks involved. Yeah. Yep. Like in my marriage, I, you know, I grew up in an abusive um, background and so I didn't really know any better. And I just longed for a family and longed for someone to love me. And so um, my husband's family looked really good on paper. His parents weren't divorced. You know, they seemed, you know, they seemed to be having it all together. And that was quite a nice juicy worm. And um, Mm. I didn't really understand that, that I had, there was a hook in me until quite a long time later but I was, it was a really bad environment because I was not allowed to be a person. I was not allowed to have problems. I was not allowed to have needs. I was just there to serve a purpose. And that purpose was to serve him and meet his needs. 
Yes. And I would venture to say that that is not God's original plan for any of his children. It's a perversion of that ideal, which is, we know where that comes from. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think, I think we're going to call this a a wrap. This is a great discussion. All right. And thank you so much for listening. Um, If you want to head over to Apple, I I always want to say Apple iTunes. It's not Apple iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. That will help other people find this podcast and share it with other people that you know who need to hear this or maybe even other people helpers, people in your church who are helping women who are in uh, dysfunctional relationships or parents of children, older children who might be in a relationship so they can learn how this works and, sorry, identify it and then help these people with solutions and support them in what they're going through. And that's it for this week. Until next week, fly free.